come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. I'm ready for my Hi, and welcome back. I'm so grateful you are back here with me again this week. Okay, so as always, so much going on. Where do I begin? I had put a post up on LinkedIn saying something like, I said, you know, three years ago when I was fired, I had no idea these things were going to happen. And then I mapped out all the things that I didn't know, you know, on that awful day when I got fired and I thought my life was over. And I was just sharing the story that if you get fired, if you're in a tough time, you have no idea what's ahead of you. And instead of focusing on the fear and the unknown, you can flip that around and actually focus on the excitement about what's to come. That was the whole point of the post. Anyhow, someone sent me a DM that said something to the effect of, you're pathetic, showcasing that you were fired. It was super negative. And so I posted about that today. And wow, did people flip out. It's so interesting. People will come to your aid. People will take up in arms for you when they see you being unjustly attacked or It's very interesting. Those are are the things back when I was in corporate America, I would have never posted about something like that for fear of what the people I worked with might say to me or be upset with, or they'd be uncomfortable since that's not the norm. Here's what I've learned. Being vanilla is just that. It's vanilla. Being your crazy, unique, special self is amazing. And when you show up and really are that real you, I feel like I'm one of the only people in the world that puts getting fired to work for them. And that makes me different and makes me unique. A lot of people don't want to talk about getting fired. And I get it. It was super embarrassing at first, but now it's like my badge of honor. I flipped the script on getting fired and getting fired is now like my calling card, right? That, wow, it could happen to anybody. And it isn't about You know, you could be doing the greatest job in the world and have, you know, so many people love you and support you. But if that one person or, you know, the company gets sold and a new leader comes in and they want their own people, it it could have nothing to do with you at all. Anyhow, so this post today was going crazy and so many people were taking up for me and it was just so nice to see. And so much support and love came from one person attacking me, showed me thousands would come to support me and encourage me, which was super cool. And says a lot about our world. Sometimes it seems bleak, but there's way more good people out there than there are bad. And the bad or the negative ones, it's really about them, their insecurity, and and something probably really sad going on in their life. So trying to find empathy for those people too. Okay, so it was so bizarre. I've been talking about this the past couple days about this fired and then being attacked, whatever. Someone came across my post and sent me a DM and said, you can't believe this. I was just fired. What do I do? Heather, I'm flipping out. I don't know what to do. Went on to tell me that his daughter was sick. Very sad story. I have a bleeding heart for people that get fired because it is very easy for me to go back to that highly emotional moment when I was petrified, capital P, sitting on my couch, I was like a zombie. I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't imagine where money would come from. I was a wreck. 
And so when I hear that someone's on the first day of getting fired, I I remember it as if it was yesterday. It's so crazy that it's three years ago, but I can put myself right back into that feeling. And so I pick up my phone and I say, give me your phone number. I'm calling you right now. Yes, I have a burner number, so no one can ever call me back. So that's pretty cool. And if you don't have that, you have to get this app. I think it's called text thread or something, but anyhow, you can call other phone numbers from that app and it changes your phone number, which is super cool because obviously you don't want to call strangers that you don't know and allow them to reach back out to you. Okay. Sidebar got off topic there. So I call this person and he's in it. He's in the throes of it. And I so get it. And he's down. And it was really interesting I'm so glad I had the opportunity to jump on this call with him today that I was home. I was actually sitting here working on my new book. And of course, I'm looking for any excuse not to sit and work on the new book. So I I say, yes, I will call you. So I call this guy. He's in it. He's super negative. I don't know if he realized it, but he's saying, you know, I just, I got a package, which is great, but that's really only a month. And then I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. And I don't know where my next job will be. And I can't be picky. I should just take whatever I should get. And this is the worst time to be fired. This is the worst time to look for a new job. I should just go right back to a competitor. I should, it was super, super negative. And I'm not knocking him for that because I was the exact same way the day that it happened, right? So I have a lot of understanding for that and empathy for that. However, I had to stop a mid-track. I said, okay, dude, slow it. Pump the brakes one minute. Here we go. Listen to your words. And I said, who in the world told you that now is not the best time to get fired? You're saying it's the worst. Why are you saying it's the worst? You said, well, look, you can look in media and more people unemployed than ever, less new jobs. I said, I don't care. Now is the time you were fired. Now is the only time to get a job. Listen, people said this to me when I launched my coaching business. Oh, you shouldn't do that in a pandemic. No one has money. That's BS. Yes, a a large percentage of the population might be struggling financially, but a percentage is not, right? So it isn't about all of the potential no's. It's about that one potential yes. It's about that one right fit. And the more we focus on that one right fit or that one right client or the clients that do have the money, the more we pull those people towards us and we find solutions to attract them towards us. So I apprised him of my opinion and and suggested he change the way that he's speaking because if he is on the phone with anyone and he starts talking like that, that he, he can't be picky and he should take whatever he can get, that's not attractive, right, to any employer. No, 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 no. People are attracted to those that see their own worth, know their own value. And again, I'm not knocking him. I get it. He's down. It, this just whacked him. And it's super painful. I so understand. However, 24 hours after I had that horrible day, I posted... I have just been fired. And if I've ever helped you in any way in the last 14 years, I would love to hear from you today. And I asked for help. And I shared that with him today. I said, if I was you, I would let people know you've been fired. And I would let people know you need help. And then I would convert those opportunities in the moment. So he agreed that that would probably be a good idea because no one knows he's been fired, right? So if people don't know you're available, they aren't going to make offers to you. That's on you to raise your hand, ask for help, and be clear with what you're asking for. I definitely was. That post that I put up went 
viral. People were going crazy about it because most people have been fired. Most people have empathy and most people want to help others, right? The, the vast majority of the world is full of good people. And if you raise your hand and say, I need help, a lot of people are going to say, okay, I'm here. How can I help? And that's really what allowed me to begin figuring things out. Again, I had no idea what my future was going to look like or how I was going to end up here three years later. God, I'm so glad this time has passed, though. I would not want to go back to that day again. It was very, very hard. And I've learned hard-won wisdom as a result of it. So it's been super, super valuable, but it was super, super hard in the moment. So I talked to him about changing his word choices. I talked to him about reframing the opportunity, and I talked to him about asking for help. Those are really important things. And then I said, well, tell me this. Well, this could actually be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I'm sure you didn't love your job every day. And he said, no, not at all. Okay, what did you love doing? What did you like doing when you were a kid? What do you do in your free time that you would do even if you didn't get paid? What? And let's start there. He goes on to tell me that he was a teacher for a long time in the beginning of his career, and his ex-wife asked him to quit that career to pursue one that he could get paid more and get into sales. But that was not his passion. His passion was coaching and teaching. It was very clear. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And then he said, but this is the worst time of the year to try to become a teacher. And I started laughing again. Who said, right? Who said it is? So I hear him out. I hear him out. I said, okay. And he kept saying, well, I'm going to go back and be to the insurance business. He kept going. And this is very normal because I have these conversations a lot with people that they just assume to go back to what you've always done. I did not do that. Super grateful I didn't do that. If I had gone back to what I had always done, I'd be back in media, back running some big publicly traded company, only affecting the people in my team, in my company. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't have written a book. I wouldn't have my TED Talk. I wouldn't have my new book. You know, I wouldn't have all these amazing things that get to help so many people and also allow me to shine my light and grow every day and step into fear and realize my potential. I would have never done any of those things if I had just gone back to what I'd always done. I was really good at my old job and I put all of those learning skills and techniques and strategies to work for me now as a consultant, as a coach, and through my teachings, which is super cool. However, I'm so glad I just didn't go back to what I had always done because people just get in that rut of, well, this is what I've always done. This is all I'm supposed to do. No, you can take your unique skills, your unique assets and go anywhere you want and apply them and try different things. So again, back to him. He loved teaching. And now he says, well, this is the worst time of the year to try to be a teacher. So I can't do that. And I stopped him and I said, hang on a second. I'm going to look at that through a different lens. What if this is the best time ever to be a teacher? And he said, how so? It's not. It's not. School already started and <laughs> gave me all the reasons why it's not. And I said, I'm going to give you one reason why it is. I said, there's lots of rich people in the world with kids stuck in their home doing Zoom school, and the kids are not doing well. They're struggling. The parents are struggling because they're not teachers. They're trying to work. They don't have the time to deal with it. They have additional resources, but not the time nor do they have the talents to teach. They don't know how to do that. And let me just raise my hand on that one. I have no idea what new math is, and I can't help my son with his homework. It's, it's crazy. So, and please tell me that you're with me on that one, because new math is just, I don't even know. I really don't understand it. Okay, fast forward. Good thing that I'm not in the mathematician world. So I said, 
there is this need out there. There is this issue that people need help. They need teaching. They need mentorship. They need the skills and talents you have. And he said, well, yeah, I have an MBA in teaching. I have all these recommendations for my work as a teacher. I love doing it. And that's right. There are people out there that have wealthy parents that need help. And I could actually get paid instead of sitting around my house feeling bad about everything. Ding, 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 ding. So I said, okay, so do this. So he said, well, how am I going to find those people? I said, raise your hand. Why? You have all of these amazing people in your network. You have all, you have this great LinkedIn world and Facebook world and social media. Why not raise your hand and say, is anyone out there struggling with their kids in Zoom school at home? Raise your hand and tell people how you're here to help shine your light. You know, it's an amazing gift when you look at it like that. Hey, I just got fired. And while it is jarring and tough, it's giving me this amazing blessing to return to what I love, teaching and helping students. Can I teach and help your child while they're working from home in Zoom school? To me, that sounds like an amazing business. At least it's something to re-engage him on what he loves to do, to reconnect with his passion, and to get paid so he feels valuable. And even just, this is so weird, but I remember this like it was yesterday. The first time you make money, like the first time I sold a book or the first time I sold a speech or the first time I got a, a check for my podcast, those first moments, it validates and makes it real. Like, oh my gosh, I actually am getting paid from this. It doesn't matter if it's $5. That's It's irrelevant what the dollar amount is, but that gives you that proof. That check is that proof. There's value here. And while I'm just beginning, I'm on day one of the first day I'm getting paid for it, this is going to grow. And who knows what that trajectory looks like? Who knows how fast this thing can take off? And who knows how much money I'm going to make from this? But there is value here. It's crystallized, right? It's real. And that's a super powerful moment. It was for me on every different endeavor I've been on as an entrepreneur, whether my online video course sold on Teachable and I saw the money go into my bank account, that was another aha moment. Holy cow, things can sell while I'm sleeping. That's so, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. You know, or the when I did my deal with HarperCollins, this is the first check of many to come from them. That's what I see in my mind. This is crystallized, this is real, and this is just the beginning. So I wanted that for him. And, and I knew that if he sat around feeling bad at his house, that was going to fix nothing and take him nowhere. If he changed his wording, if he reframed the opportunity, instead of seeing it as scary, see the flip side of it, which it's exciting because the fact that you don't know what's going to happen is super exciting. If I had known on day one of getting fired what the next three years held for me, I would have been so freaking excited. I would have been screaming and throwing a party instead of sitting on my couch crying my eyes out, right? So what I was asking him to, to do is kind of forecast your future through the lens I'm sharing with you that the next three years are going to be amazing. You're going to reconnect to your passion. You're going to grow a business you don't even know exists yet. And you're going to get that first check. And then you're going to forecast how big it's going to actually become. So... The talk's getting better, conversation's getting better. And then he says to me, well, okay, I see what your idea is, Heather. I think you're right. My passion and purpose is around teaching. I want to work with those kids. Yes, I agree there are some rich parents out there that need my help and I can add value. I can do a great job. He said, but then where do I go from there? How is that a business moving forward after the pandemic? And I started laughing and I said, I'm not asking you to forecast what your business will look like in the next year because there's no way that I know what my business is going to look like in the next year or anyone else does because things are so uncertain outside of us. What I'm asking you to do is to find certainty within yourself 
and know that stepping into this darkness, stepping into this unknown, but doing it following your passion and your purpose will allow the way to be revealed. The more you step into it, the more Zoom students you help, the more Zoom students you teach, the more the opportunity will reveal itself. We don't know if one of those really wealthy parents offers to bring him on full-time or works at a university and gives him a professor's position. We have no idea what lies ahead for him. All I know is it begins with the first step. And for him, the way I left it with him on the phone today was make the call, raise your hand, put the posts up, reach out, ask for help, and share with people that you're re-engaging with your purpose, your passion, and reconnect with it and ask who you can help now. Take the action, put yourself out there, raise your hand, and you don't have to know beyond that. Just take that first step. I'm so glad I did. I so want that for you. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm off on a tangent now, and I have to introduce our guest today. I'm super excited for you to meet Rock. Okay, Rock Thomas is the world's number one whole life success expert, best-selling author, host of the I Am Movement podcast, from farm boy to real estate and business guru, mentor, and self-made millionaire. Rock has studied one-on-one with the world's best teachers, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Wayne Dyer, love him, and more on his mission to inspire others to create their best life on their terms. His goal cast video alone was viewed by over 100 million people, million, using tools and strategies that are proven. Rock now teaches people how to create financial freedom by leveraging their purpose and passion to live not just a successful life, but a fulfilled one. Founder of the I Am Movement, he is known as the man who redefines lives. So I can't wait to hear what you think about Rock, and we'll be bringing him back right after this. Meet a different guest each week. And we're back, and I'm so excited for you to meet Rock Thomas. What's going on? Hey, I tell you what, I'm glad to be, well, not here in Miami with you, but with you. Well, I'm happy, even though it's by Zoom, to have you here. So, Rock, as my audience knows, I had a difficult childhood. However, I will say, digging into your amazing videos, viral videos with over 100 million views, I've learned that I am not alone here, and I was hoping you could share that, your backstory. Probably everybody's had their own version of difficult. And even those that haven't had difficult, they have to deal with trying to be perfect and different things. So we all have to deal with our childhoods and being bullied. In my case, I was the youngest of seven. I grew up on a farm. I had a Dutch German father who believed in discipline and hard work and throwing you out to feed the 22 horses. I mean, at the age of eight and a half, I think it's a little bit harsh up in Canada in the winters, opening the barn door and seeing rats and There was a lot of fear and I just learned to suck it up and David Goggins it now as as I call it. But, you know, I learned that in life, if you do what is difficult, then life becomes easy. And if you do what is easy, then eventually you're going to come across difficult and it's going to be much more difficult for you to have success. So I've turned into be a a great employee, a great, great entrepreneur, because you become incredibly resourceful growing up on a farm. Horses and animals need to be fed 365 days a year. They don't care if it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, your birthday, or you're sick. And so I learned as an entrepreneur that there's always a way. And that confidence comes from knowing that you can find the way versus most people are confident only when they're competent. And there's another layer, right? 
Tom Brady, who I love, sports metaphor. Sorry if, you know, if you're not people are in sports metaphors. But I'm from Boston, so I'm all for Tom Brady. Go ahead. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so if his best receiver goes down, he doesn't go crying back to Bill Belichick and say, I can't play. Suit up the next guy. We make it work. He could lose three guys. He's still going to call the next play. And I think that a lot of people in life stop calling the next play. They have fear, doubt, and worry, and they let that stop them, and they hesitate. They lose momentum. And then they shrivel up and, and then they struggle. So that's been one of the benefits of going through probably what you went through as as difficult childhood. And I went through as you you get a, a bit of the, the warrior kind of attitude. You know, for me, it took a really long time to learn that that was a benefit, right? Because when you're knee deep in it, it's hard to see. In fact, I was so paralyzed by fear in my early 20s that you know, it was almost the opposite effect, I would say. Now, having hindsight, I can see it was definitely a benefit that set me up for success. But for a long time, I would see the people that grew up wealthy, grew up with great parents, and I th- and they were like on this clear-cut path to success, and it just looked so easy. You never experienced that? No, I did experience it, and it took me a long time. And I, you know, alcohol and drugs to numb the pain of feeling sorry for myself and feeling alone and feeling like I didn't fit in. My, my nicknames as a kid was, was bone dog and pizza face. And I was a skinny little kid. I, I was shy and I didn't know how to speak. And my brothers and sisters, I was youngest of seven. They would laugh at me and say, he can't even talk. So I became even more introverted. And then they called me pizza face. So I hid in my room because I had acne and I didn't mm-hmm. want to go to school. So I stopped going to school. I got, pretended being sick. So now it's not a good combination thinking you're ugly and stupid. Not one that I recommend. So when I was in my late 30s, I met a guy who, who started asking me questions. And I told him about the story of pizza face. And he goes, you still feel that way. You still have that version of yourself, even though you're now an adult. And I said, yeah, you're right. And he goes, do you want to change that? I go, what do you mean change that? He goes, you can change your identity. And it was totally foreign to me. Long story short, he had me choose another idol and I chose Clint Eastwood. And he says, how do you describe Clint Eastwood in your mind? I go, well, he's not pretty like Tom Cruise. He's more like ruggedly handsome. And as I said that, my face lit up and he goes, say that again. I go, ruggedly handsome. He goes, that's it. No more pizza face. From now on, you, Rock Thomas, are ruggedly handsome. And that moment changed my life. And I drove home. I remember driving home saying over and over again, because this is what he told me, the words that follow, I am, follow you. Just say, I am ruggedly handsome. I am ruggedly handsome. And I was crying saying it because for the first time, I, I realized I could change the labels that had been offered to me by people that didn't give a shit about my outcome. They wanted to feel better about themselves. And then I went on from I'm, work, I'm a hard worker to I work smart. And I took my business from you know, a struggling salesperson to the top salesperson. Then I bought the company and, and the rest is history. You just made that sound so easy. And I have people asking me all the time, I used to have a lot of negative self-talk in my head where I beat myself up. Why did you do that again? You blew it. What the heck's wrong with you? You know, not outside. People didn't know I was saying it, but in my own mind, I was running that tape and I had to work for years. I went through therapy, I, you know, self-development work on my own, et cetera. And ultimately I ended up rewriting a script, you know, an I am script that I wanted to say to myself. It happened for me after I had my son, because I, I didn't want him to grow up and make some of these same mistakes I made. 
So I worked really hard for him and then I started feeling better. But for me, that took a long time. I didn't have that crying moment. Like for you, it sounded really connected in that moment with that ruggedly handsome. I wonder why for some people it it is instantaneous and for others, it seems to take a lot longer. Well, I don't know in your case, but you may have learned how to disassociate your emotions to survive. And that's a really powerful skill to have. And I do it too, and I have done it, and I'm capable of doing it. And the best example is if you've ever had something happen, and later on you look at your leg, and you're like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. And you didn't notice it, right? It's because your adrenaline's running, you're doing something else. So you can literally change your focus. But it was one of those aha moments for me. It was like a freeing out of a prison that I didn't know I'd created for myself. Because I wanted so much connection and love with my brothers and sisters and to belong that I would do anything. I became the pleaser. I used to play Monopoly with my brother and he would win every game. And any game that he wasn't winning, he would accidentally knock the board over in the middle of the game. So my brain associated to I'm a loser. I lose all the time. And when I lose, people want me around because he would play with me as long as I would lose. So it's amazing the little subtleties that happen in our brain because the strongest, one of the strongest forces is we want to connect and belong. And this whole COVID thing has been a real challenge for most people because, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a hugger and a high fiver and all that. So I see people and now they're all like, oh, the elbow and no, no, don't touch me. And I know it's like, whoa, it's really tough for me. But growing up, we look for a place to belong. And that's why bullying is so difficult on people because it's the exact opposite. They're saying, you don't fit in, you don't belong, I don't love you, I don't like you, you're not enough. So people develop coping mechanisms, and mine was to become the pleaser. But after a while, I tried that technique at school, I started to get beaten up. People saw me as weak, so I didn't like that so much. And then one day, I became unleashed, and I went after the biggest guy in school, jumped on his back and started pounding him. And he beat the crap out of me. But everybody else knew that I was fearless. They were like, he will kamikaze. He will hurt himself. And I just, I just don't want to go down that path. So I made, I made a mark for myself. So, you know, the unwinding of all of that, Heather, is what, you know, you go to therapy for. And you start to cast some awareness around that. So, yeah, no, it, it, it sounds very... Simple. It was not simple. It was a lot of hard work and there's still process with it, right? I've been in and out of relationships. That's the part that's been difficult for me because I I put this demand on the women in my life to give me all the love I didn't get as a kid, which was totally unfair. And it would last for a while until it wasn't sustainable anymore. So, you know, it's a work in progress. Are you tired of the stress and chaos of live launching? Who isn't, right? But if you've tried going evergreen, you know that's not the solution either. Hello, low conversions. So what's the answer? The circuit sales system is designed to make sales for you every single day while giving your audience all the excitement of live launching without you ever having to live launch again. What would increasing your current yearly revenue by 40 times look like for you? Okay, nobody's making any income guarantees here, but that's exactly what Nikki did for her business when she developed her circuit sales system. The circuit sales system is the automated system that combines the best of both live launching and evergreen with none of the worst. Think high conversions 
and high predictability without the chaos or risk. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, CBDistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. I appreciate you explaining that. It makes me feel better. So and it's also an interesting point you bring up, which is that that which makes us incredibly successful in a certain arena of life can also be what's holding you back in a different area. And, and to the relationship point, as someone who's been divorced and, and gone through this, you know, a lot of it for me too went back to people pleasing and wanting to make people happy and And now at 46 years old, I'm so good at saying no to people. It's crazy, but I reflect back on how much money I gave up when I was younger, how how many opportunities I gave up when I was younger, because I thought the idea of telling someone no would hurt them or put them in a bad spot. So in order to please, you know, you'll just just say yes. And, And I hear from men and women today, a lot of people struggle with how to say no. How did you start teaching yourself to do that? You know, it was a process. And I'm somebody who likes to serve and I have an incredible amount of energy. So saying no is, is, in fact, I have a saying is say yes and figure it out later. And it's dangerous. You know, Richard Branson says, say yes and learn it later, which is the same philosophy. But if you don't know what you want, it's easy to say yes to a lot of things. When you're clear on what you want, it's like, hey, do you want to uh, go to a, you know, a yoga class tomorrow? Yes. Right. Do you want to uh, go out tomorrow night and uh, hang out with friends and drink for two o'clock in the morning? Uh, maybe, uh, no. Like you need to know which, what's important to you. So I think I got really clear on what my mission was and my mission was to become wealthy and be as healthy as I possibly could to be a great dad. And so I said yes to the things that were in alignment with that. That's really smart and simple and well said in that For me, the things that I hear from people are smaller things. So for example, someone asked me to go to a show and it was conflicting with something I had going on my day. I said, can't make it. Let's look at another date next week. And she came back and said, how's that so easy for you? I said, I just looked at my schedule and it didn't work, but I didn't have to look at, wait a minute, does this align with everything that I'm doing? Sometimes there are situations like that where it's a little bit easier, but for those bigger picture ones, I like that strategy to step back and think about, does this align with my big picture goals? And it's funny because given this time of COVID, things have changed, as you mentioned, so rapidly that even six months ago, my vision and focus was on my speaking business and moving that forward, you know, full steam and everything in business went through that lens. Is this going to elevate this business? And it was easy to see, but as my business is evolving and things are changing, it becomes a little murkier. You sometimes have to test things not knowing. 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times I've said yes to things and, and I'm like, oh my God, why did I say yes to that afterwards? But you don't always know. But you know, you know this as a speaker and as a leader and as a coach is that most people are not clear on what they want. They really aren't. When I coach with people, the first thing I ask them is what do they, what do they want? And most people, they tell me what they don't want. And what you focus on expands. So, oh, I don't want to, I mean, with COVID, maybe not anymore, but I don't want to drive in traffic to work. I don't want to have a stupid boss. I don't want to have to do overtime. I don't want, they say you everything they don't want. People need to spend more time focusing on what they value and what they do want and how they can become free. I teach people, you will be stuck in the rat race for the rest of your life unless you do this one thing is you need cash flowing assets. And there's three categories, real estate, investing in the stock market like Warren Buffett or owning a business. Otherwise, you're free. And most people want it to be free, right? They want to work when they want and do different things. But if you don't put your money to work for you or you don't leverage systems and people, you're going to do everything. And the, and the microcosm of that is, do you, do you do your shopping? Do you clean your house? Do you do your laundry? Do you clean your pool, cut your grass, wash your car? And so I help people develop a do not do list. So that gets bigger and bigger and bigger so they can do the things that fulfill them and that are dollar productive activities so they can truly live an epic life. I mean, it's one life we have, right? I think, as far as I know. Why not do stuff that makes you really happy and makes you a shit ton of money? Because people believe that might be for you, but they don't believe that it's necessarily for them. And it goes back to, just in my experience and in in the people that I've worked with and had the opportunity to get some insights from, that self-doubt and that lack of confidence, that lack of certainty within, and, oh, I should just be grateful for what I have right now and shrink back into this small, small area that I've created. Yeah, 100%. The thing is, people don't choose your tribe consciously right? How do people choose their career? Most people do it because of proximity or pressure. When I was 17 years old and I left uh, home, the first job I got was working for my sister's boyfriend because of proximity. He worked, he was a manager at McDonald's. I got a job at McDonald's. Some people get a job because of pressure. Their parents say, you got to go to college. You need to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. So they go down that path, invest five years in their education or more, and they do the job and they end up hating it. I have a guy who was a CPA who hated his job, had a big student loan, came to see me. And after we did this thing called Sacred Gifts, we found out that he has the gift of teaching. We introduced him to short-term rentals. Today, he has hundreds of clients that he teaches how to do short-term rentals or Airbnb online. He has 28 doors. He retired his mom, his wife, and himself, and his three-year-old son who had a heart condition and they needed to be around him all the time. So him and his mother and his wife were rotating around the clock, never seeing each other. They all now work together, and they're financially free in two and a half years. So people don't know what they don't know. And there are beautiful vehicles out there that can meet somebody's skill, but you're 100% right, Heather. People are like, oh, but I could not run a business. I don't have that skill set. I don't know how to invest in the stock market. That's for other people. Or real estate, that sounds complicated. Don't you need a lot of money? But what if the toilet breaks? So they talk themselves out of it because they're not in the right fish tank. You need a fish tank where people are having that quality conversation that helps you believe you can do it. So how do you suggest people find that fish tank? Well, it's back to what we talked about before is you got to know what you value. Because a lot of people say they want to be financially free, but they don't really want to. They just, they just want to be comfortable. 
There's a reason there's only 3% of the population that are wealthy, right? But if, you, if you're somebody who's really hungry and you have a drive, in other words, you have a work ethic and you're coachable, then you look for the community that resonates with you. So real estate, there's real estate groups all over the place. Uh, there's people that do stock training and you can talk to people that have different businesses. The shortcut is you get in touch with me because I have access to all of that, right? I mean, I've created a community eight years ago and I've created 64 whole life millionaires doing that. All of my buddies are experts in these different fields. So once we put you through our assessment and evaluation, we see what your skills are. We say, you would be probably really good at you know, online sales or at speaking or coaching or at running a real estate in this particular niche. And by the way, you can't just stay static because how do you think retail real estate's doing these days, Heather? Not very well. <laughs> right. But a year ago, it was the bomb right? Student housing, the same thing. I just got out of my student housing, made 19% over three years, but right now, not so pretty. So I'm shifting my assets into industrial. Why? Because that's going to be the move. You're going to have fulfillment centers because we're all going to be ordering online, the majority of our stuff, and you need warehouses all over the world. And Amazon just announced that they're coming out with 1,500 warehouses in different cities so they can do same-day service to compete with Walmart and Target. So I'm moving my money into industrial and into self-storage because that's going to be the next boom. The reason I do that, not because I'm so smart, but the guys I hang out with that are worth $100 million, that's what they track. They own transportation companies. They have their ear to the ground there. And I just follow the smart money. But if you're not in that room having that conversation, you're down earning 3 and 6% of return on your money, you're going to be poor for the rest of your life. Yeah, that whole concept scares people so much to enter into a new arena where you don't have experience. Like you were saying before, the lack of confidence stems from the lack of competence. If they haven't done real estate deals and they don't own real estate previously, the idea to get in now where there's so much uncertainty paralyzes them. And for me, it takes me back to 0809. What I learned from that window was there was opportunity everywhere. However, I had my head down in the grindstone, just you know, grateful to keep my job, trying to outwork everybody so that I could show I was worth keeping around. And I lost all those opportunities. And it's interesting now to apply that reasoning and that lens to today because it's exactly, well, not exactly because it wasn't an illness, but in regards to another recession and, and what's happening right now with uncertainty everywhere, it's very similar. Yeah, it's a great point is a lot of people are stuck in the weeds and they're just trying to stay afloat because they're not following the principles of wealth creation. And so they don't teach it in it's nobody's fault. They teach you what? You know, go get a job and then get a good education, get another job. And so people are just following the programming. But if you really follow the way wealthy people behave and what they do, it's a completely different track. And once you get on that track, then you can accelerate towards success. And that's, you know, for me, I've got, I think, 40 streams of income. And in real estate, I have books and online products, et cetera, et cetera. But once you get a few of them that are passive or mostly passive, then you can go focus on the next one and then go focus on the next one. And then before you know it, you, you're living off of 5 or 10% of your wealth and you have so much more to reinvest. On one of the calls, in, as soon as COVID hit, I did 12 days of Zoom calls every day with a different thought leader. And one of the conversations was around where's the next opportunity? And he goes, what platform are we using right now to communicate, everybody? Zoom. And people are, Zoom. And he goes, look at the price of Zoom stock. And he goes, I'm not going to advise you to buy it. 
but I'm going to tell you to watch it and make a decision for yourself. It was around a hundred dollars. Have any idea what it is today? I don't. Over four hundred. Oh my gosh! So it's a it's about a three hundred and fifty percent return during the worst time when everybody has their head down, just trying to survive, and yet some of us made three hundred and fifty percent on our money in six months. So there's opportunity all the time, but again, you've got to get into that VIP room. When Elon Musk came out with his um, IPO 10 years ago for Tesla, I had a good friend of mine, and he said, Rock, mortgage your house and put everything you have into Tesla. And I go into what? It was Tesla. You know Elon Musk? I know I don't know him. And the, the stock came out at $17, Heather. Today, it's over $2,000. Was that wow. a good enough I friend that you actually did mortgage your house? <laughs> I No, here's the point is back then I didn't, I had a, maybe a millionaire mindset, but not a hundred millionaire mindset. And that's exactly what happens to people. A lot of people that are struggling have a thousand air mindset or a 10,000 air mindset. That's their thermostat. That's what they're used to. So I wasn't ready to receive that opportunity. So I didn't do anything. Now I have bought a Tesla myself, the car last year, and I've started to buy some of the stock and the stock has actually also gone up 300% this year. So better to be late to the party than not at all. But if you had put $10,000 into Tesla when it came out, you would have something like $4 million. Wow, That's a big multiple. It can change your life. There are opportunities like that right now happening, but you got to be in the right room. So I understand your point with being around the right people, and I couldn't agree more. You need people who are way further ahead of you so that they can help to stretch and, and grow you and bring you along versus the ones that want to hold you back that have never been where you want to go, right? However, I still struggle with this personally and with what I see around this money mindset concept, because personally for me, I've made more money when I was more scared and had a scarcity mindset than I have when I'm really confident, have a great mindset and things are mentally and internally going fantastic. And I've seen countless people worth hundreds of millions of dollars who have major scarcity mindsets, really negative. It's almost shocking to me to see their level of financial success. How do you explain that when you believe so strongly that there is a certain mindset that attracts money to you? You know, it's a great question. Some people, you know, what will get you here won't get you there. Some people that are worth 100, 100 million will still not buy the $5 bottle of water in the hotel room and go downstairs and get the $1 bottle because that's what got them there, right? So there's a different conversation when it comes down to your emotional freedom and fulfillment. There are people that are billionaires that are depressed and that are fearful, but it's a job emotionally to be able to release that. And it's been a process for me. I just can tell you from my experience. So before I used to be very, very cheap and frugal and, and was that way. And so the way I got myself out of it was there's a system called the six bank accounts from T. Harbecker. Have you heard of it? No. So you divide your money into six bank accounts, 50% for your necessities, and then five of the jars. One of them is a fun jar. One of them's pay yourself first. Another one is give. Another one's education. So I learned to take my money and divide it up. And then the fun jar you have to spend every month. Now, if this friend of yours had a fun jar, he would realize that he could spend $100,000 a month and it would totally not wreck his budget. So for me, I remember a few years ago, it was every time I went on vacation, I could spend $500 a day. 
And then as my wealth went up, it became a thousand dollars a day and then 1500 and then 2000 and then 3000. So when I go on vacation, I get there in the hotel room, say it's 600 bucks for a night. And I'm like, yes, 600 bucks. Okay. $2,400 more to go for today. How much are the massages? They're only 185. All right, we'll take two. And I have to, I have to spend the three grand every day because if I don't, that programming from not ordering a Big Mac with cheese on it and saving 15 cents from cheese, not that I eat that anymore, was so hardwired in me to get me to be successful because every dime I reinvested no longer serves me long term. And so that gentleman just hasn't gone through that or woman has not gone through that process of realizing that we there's four money personality types. These are all the things we go through to help release people emotionally because from what the thinking that got you here will not get you to there. And that is so absolutely true. And I've seen that so many times in my life. You can't achieve a certain level of success and cap yourself unless you're willing to innovate, take risk and, and try to grow from there. You've pointed to the people that you're surrounding yourself with. What are the other things that are critical for someone to get to that next level other than the people they're surrounded with? I wrote a book called Your Epic Life Blueprint and I have 10 rules. I believe they're habits or rules. So I just grab any one. Rule number nine is the power of reframing. So when I was 40 years old, I lost all my hair to alopecia. And it's a uh, autoimmune disease of the hair follicles, nothing else. It just means that your system is taxed. I ran a marathon without preparing. I was going through a divorce. Um, I went to Fiji and went through a cleanse for seven days. And when I came back, I lost all my hair. And, you know, the power of questions creates focus. And so people were saying to me, are you okay? Are you dying? Is this, what's wrong with you? So I started to doubt myself. I was like, and I started to research it. And I finally just figured out what it was. And I was then a, a little bit, you know, reassured. But at the same time, it changed my entire look. And I questioned myself at 40 years old, people are going to think I'm old, I'm bald. Uh, what if they think I'm ugly? I lost What if they think you're ruggedly life. handsome? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and imagine the power of the brain that played those tapes. I have no eyebrows, no eyelashes. I have no hair in my nose. When it's cold in Canada, snot comes out my nose because the hair is there to stop it. And all these things happening that created doubt and insecurity. But there is a way around it. You can ask yourself a better question. So I said to myself, what's great about this? And my brain first said, well, there's nothing great about losing all your hair. And I said, well, what could be great? I'll never have a bad hair day. That's great. I don't have to spend money to go to, the, to get my hair cut. And uh, I don't know, I spend 10 minutes less getting ready. I have to buy shampoo. And I started to feel great about it. So there's a power in reframing. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% the meaning you give it. So I just learned to give it a better meaning. And then I started to realize that a Greek friend who he would go and get, he was so hairy, he had to go and get wax hair removed from his back. And he would complain about it, how painful it was and how much it cost. And I'm like, you want alopecia, don't you? <laughs> he was like, he's like, actually I do. And then I would go and get a massage and they're like, how is it you have no hair in your body? It's so easy to massage you. Right. And I was just like alopecia. And I go, oh, that's really nice. And so then I started to get the references of how great it was. So for me, part of success is just understanding it's not what happens to you, it's the meaning you give it. Come up with an empowering meaning and your life can change. 
When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website, and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you, and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized, I can do this. I can go to work for myself, thanks to Shopify what I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Monahan all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monaghan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monaghan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hearing you explain that, and, and I'm not trying to say I understand what that's like, because I've never gone through that. So I, I imagine that would have been horrific the moment it happened. It reminds me the day I got fired from corporate America, everything seemed to be bleak. There was nothing good. I had lost everything. That was the only way I could see or think. And other people would say, no, you're so talented. Don't know. You don't have, understand, Heather. But I couldn't hear anyone. And it took me, I'd say about 30 days to be able to employ what you're suggesting right now. I couldn't do it at first. However, because I was able to reframe that situation and make it work for me instead of against me, ultimately, it took me a month. But once I was able to implement that strategy in my life and in my business, now, henceforth, I'm able to very quickly, when COVID hit, I'm real fast at now. It just, it keeps every time you employ that strategy, which is 100% correct around the reframe, it becomes easier and easier and more natural. And don't you see yourself jumping in and not even having to think about it anymore? It's like a muscle, right? 
just like a muscle gratitude practices are a muscle. What's great about this? I mean, I have bands now that say what's great about this. I do talks on it culturally in my businesses. Something goes wrong, an employee quits or you get fired or something changes or computer system breaks down or electricity, whatever. And the general common culture in, in my organizations is, okay, so what's great about this? How do you pivot? How do you make it work? And I learned that really on the farm is, you know, the the pipes that brought water to the horses in the field would get frozen in the winter. And then you had to carry buckets and you go, well, what's great about this? Well, nothing was great about them then, but you know what? It made me stronger. It was like a shoulder workout. And so you learn over time that you have a choice, right? You can have a pity party or you can make the best of it. So successful people, like I talked about before, Tom Brady, he doesn't give, I remember when he was down 27 points or whatever it was in that famous game, third quarter, and he marched up and down the bench and they have a recording of it. And he goes, don't let doubt in your mind. We are coming back, right? And doubt is the devil. And most people allow doubt to come in because they don't look to reframe the opportunity. And there's the five stages of, of grief that you should go through because sometimes just schluffing it off when something happens and not going through it emotionally, it'll boomerang on you later. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad, but you want to be conscious of it so that when you get to the acceptance piece, you can have peace with it versus just racing there. And then later, you know, that's the person that cuts you off and then everybody starts arguing. It's never because of the cutting off. It's because of something else that happened that now there's an outlet to let it go. Right. So true. And I believe Tom implemented that same strategy from week one of the NFL in Tampa to his his second week because he was able to completely turn it around. You saw a different player and different team out there. So yeah, it, the sports analogy is, is such a good one because we can actually see it live on TV from week to week yes. happening. And as yes. well as I was watching the, the Celtics and Heat in, in the playoffs right now, it's the same exact thing. The first two games, the Heat owned it, but the momentum completely shifted to the the Celtics in this last game. So in order for the heat to emerge again, they're going to have to find that way not to let doubt in because once that takes off, those dominoes just keep on rolling. You know, it's interesting you say that because real competitors, they actually love the art of competing. It's really like, it's not the Super Bowl. It's being up against the best other athletes in the world and having to constantly search for your higher self, the best part of you, the part that doesn't play the victim the part that wants to be even more. And I think that's why relationships, intimate relationships are so difficult because we open ourselves up vulnerably to want to be needy, like get attention or be special or important. And then if that person doesn't provide that expectation at the time, you feel so naked and so open. Where in a sport, you can kind of just man up and call the next play and go hard at it. So it's really interesting to watch the desire to be our very, very best and what are the tools and resources. And, and that's, you know, it's been my life's passion is to, to find the ways to do that and to help other people find the ways to do that. But there is a path. Rule number 10 in my book is there is a path. There's a path for you and there's a path for me to have everything we want. And just like on a great Easter egg hunt, think about the energy of a child on an Easter egg hunt positive anticipation, curiosity, looking high and low, excited, belief at a very high level that there are eggs out there. Imagine if people got up every morning believing 
that things were going to be awesome, wonderful things were going to happen, that they could make a difference, that the path for their joy and success and happiness was there. They just had to be putting in the effort to go find it. And so that, I think, is a really big part that, unfortunately, as a culture, is not really encouraged. Why are you so enthusiastic and passionate, Rock? Come on, man, just come have a beer, man. You're going to work again, are you? Right? So we beat each other down. So that's why it goes back to what I said before. I selfishly created my own tribe eight years ago, and I continue to seek and find out, find badass people to include. And this is the price of membership is you got to support, encourage, or challenge each other. Support, encourage, or challenge. There's no blame and criticizing and complaining. That's for the real world out there. But in our world, you either support, encourage, or challenge. So I might ask you, Heather, what is one of your goals? You'll tell me your plan, your strategy, and I have a job which is either to support, encourage, or challenge you. It could be, hey, did you think of this? Or do you need that resource? Um, oh, I know John, he's doing that too. Maybe you should reach out to him and you guys could collaborate or get an insight. Isn't that much better? Yeah, of course it's much better. But that goes back to you know that age-old advice that your family wants to give you or these people that are surrounding you, they're trying to protect you. And in fact, it's kind of holding you down versus what you're talking about, which is curating the people that you're selecting and picking who are ahead of you and of like mindset, successful, and really trying to stretch you. And for me, I know I've fallen into that, okay, oh, everyone's looking out for me. I shouldn't go do this. That's too risky for a long time I fell into that and it took a very conscious decision making tactic to say okay I cannot I can no longer take advice from people who are not near where I want to go or haven't been there successfully and that's something that I, I constantly stop myself and say wait a minute is this a person I should be taking advice on this topic from no typically nine out of ten times it's a big no Unless, like you said, it's people I've chosen to bring around me for that purpose. Yeah. Ray Dalio in his book, Principles, he says, you know, triangulate with people of merit. People of merit. Listen to people that have merit in that area. If you want to improve your nutrition, well, maybe somebody who for 25 years they've studied nutrition and they've looked at it from left, right, and center. That might be a quality conversation to listen to. But listening to the person beside you saying, you know what, ah, a couple of burgers a week is not going to make a big difference, uh, might not be the best advice, right? Or when you get called from somebody that wants to invest your money and they're really just a broke stockbroker that's looking to add to their portfolio another client, but they've never invested more than $10,000, I don't invest with that. I invest with people that have more money than me, Right. It's so funny that you say that. The first story that popped into my mind is that most of the time it's not intentionally bad advice and I'm not a nutritionist at all, never have been. And my son called me, I was with my trainer outside the other day and he called me and he said, hey, can I get Uber Eats You know, while you're on your way home? I said, oh sure, because I feel so bad for my son and he's in quarantine and, not, and anytime he wants something like a treat, I think, oh great, yeah, let's do it. I wanna keep him happy. And my trainer hears the call and I hang up and she lit me up and it was a great point she made. She said, you're harming him. And of course, as a mother, I would never harm. That's not my intent, right? I'm trying to help him feel better. But when she explained it to me in the way that she did, she was like, okay, here's what I suggest you do. And here's something that can help him. And here's something you can feel good about. And he'll feel good about long-term. 
here I was as a parent trying to do something to make my son feel better. I was actually harming him inadvertently. And it took an expert on the outside to bring my attention to that. And it was just kind of a, it was a cool experience that sometimes we think we're helping and we're not. And that's again, back to, it's just so valuable to have an expert around. Yeah. I I mean, we are ultimately going to give into our environment. So that's why I went on this quest to collect people that are smarter than me, better than me, um, healthier than me. You know, like this the industrial deal I'm going in, the guy's worth $100 million. So that's, there's a track record there. There's a history of experience. And the board of directors are also, many of them, multi, multi, multi-millionaires or, or worth more. And those people are making decisions based on a big picture and decades of study. So that makes me feel very confident about the investment versus, you know, my bank wants me to invest in a mutual fund that'll make six to eight percent. You know, come on, man. You know, that that's not going to get me to where I where I want to go. So, but finding the people, and there are also people who screw you over, and people that are not truthful, and people that will be Duponzi schemes. So it's a bit, you know, it's a lot of work to navigate through that. And sometimes people just get tired and they go, you know what? I'll just put it in the bank at 3%. I just can't, you know, or they get hurt. I've, I've been, you know, it's not gone the way I wanted to in some investments. And then you're like, man, if I had just done nothing, I'd be better off. So you got to navigate through all of that. And it comes back to how badly, Heather, do you or I want the greatest life possible? And what are we willing to do? You know, I think it's Rocky that says, it's not how hard you punch, it's how hard you can be punched and get back up. It's so true. (laughs) So tell me about the 90-day challenge. So what we discovered is that, you know, 90 days are a really sweet spot for people to make a transformation. Some people say 21 days to change a habit, 66. I don't know. I think it all has to do with the intensity of, of your intention. When I got in my car and I was like, I'm ruggedly handsome, I'm ruggedly handsome. Or I could say, "Um, I'm ruggedly handsome. It's different, right? So the more you use your physiology, the more intensity, the more you have energy around it, the more you can make a transformation. You can make a snap like that. Have a car accident while you're texting. You may never text again and you may tell all your friends not to do it either. But have a near brush miss or what have you, you know, you may still do it. So the 90-day challenge is about taking the top 10 rules, the things that allowed me to become a millionaire and the things that I teach all the people in my mastermind groups and creating the habits and rituals around that. If information transformed people's lives, and you know this, so I'm, I'm speaking to the, you know, preaching to the converted, is if information transformed everybody, everybody would have the results they want because everything's available on Google. But information is not transformation. It's the application of information that transforms. So in a community of people that every week are discussing in a mastermind setting, each rule or habit every week, And then going out and playing with it and practicing it and then coming back and getting feedback. That's how you transform. Tom Brady will stay with that one. You know, after the first game where he didn't win it, he went back, they reviewed the films, they looked, they tweaked, they adjusted. They said, hey, this is the first time you're playing in competition with these players. Now go here, go here, go here. And he looked way better in the second game. And that is the simple formula. Information with practice and then feedback and then information with practice and feedback leads you to mastery. So for 90 days, we walk people through the, what I believe are the 10 habits of the millionaire mind. And then you have this foundation that you can rest any vehicle or any goal you want in your life upon for the rest of your life. 
And so we're really excited about that. And that's a process that's worked for a lot of people. And it's the cornerstone of what I teach. I've seen massive change in people I've worked with in 90 days. And I can't agree with you more that, you know, 30 is just too short of a window to see real transformation. It's great to start implementing some standards and understandings of what principles people need to implement, but to watch some type of transformation and growth, you've got to have those 90 days to really crystallize it and see some results. Yeah. And you know, with technology today, what happens is they get a video. They'll probably get tired of my voice after a while, but they'll get a video with each rule for about 15 or 20 minutes that I just redid. This is a course I've had for over 12 years and I just brought it to the, you know, to the modern age and the language changes with social media and everything. And they used to be 45 minutes long. So we're more like 20 minutes now, get in, get out. And then you get on a call and a zoom call with other people, 30, 40, 50 people. And you get into breakout sessions, you start to discuss the rule and their perspectives, and you have coaches in the environment. And then you start to really wrap your head around it, and then you go out and implement it, and then you come back, and you have an accountability now to, okay, so what did you do? How did that play out? And so the application now isn't just you reading a book on your own, or you just downloading a course, because the finishing rate on downloadable courses is about 6%. People need community more than ever now. So I love what Zoom has done in the breakout rooms. And then in 90 days, you're going through this process and you actually get to own these new habits and it creates a a lifelong. I got a guy who did the course. He was selling um, basements up in Canada. It's where they raise the house and they put in new foundations, older homes. And he was a very average salesperson. He smoked. He was about 30 pounds overweight. Didn't really work out. You know, his typical once or twice who went to the gym, single guy, and he took the course. And no exaggeration, within the 90 days, he got his ass in the gym, lost 20 pounds, quit smoking, quit drinking. And then within 90 days after the completion of the course, became the top salesperson, tripling the sales and beating all other three salespeople in sales. Then he put his mom on the course. She was a CPA. He loved it so much. And during the time his mom was on the course, he met his fiance and got married. Bam, all of that from one course. And he rewrote the course, took notes and sent me a book on what he wrote. And he said, this is my Bible for the rest of my life. Now that's not a testimonial. I don't know what is. And I could go on and on with many others, but that's, that was pretty freaking epic. Now you ask me why I do what I do. That's pretty fulfilling. That's an obvious why. I mean, the fact that I think one of the hardest things people can do is to stop smoking. I believe that's one of like the top three things that people struggle with in their lives, right? So just that alone is epic. When you stack all the other things and we've helped people lose 100 pounds that that struggled their whole life. We had one woman that was abused uh, as as a child and she had carried 60 pounds of protection with her entire life. She was able to shed that and release that. Her husband, who was a teacher, quit his job when he saw what she did. And then he took the course and he now owns seven Airbnbs and he's a life coach. I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's pretty epic stuff. It's very gratifying. And, and that's why we call it the whole the journey of the whole life millionaire. It's not just about creating money. It's holistically, I believe you can have it all. You can be in great shape. You can have great communication and connections and relationships. You can become a better son. You know, five years ago, I bought a house for my mom. She was in a senior assisted living. I bought a house for her, moved her into the house. 
She lost 40 pounds, does gardening. And I mean, there's so much you can do on this planet if you have the right toolbox. And this is a really cool toolbox, I believe. So how can everyone find that toolbox? You can go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP and you'll find some tools there. You can go to my website, of course, rockthomas.com. You can follow me on social media outlets. You can get a lot of free information. I have a I have a podcast called Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life, and you'll learn a lot of free stuff there as well. So, I mean, we'll meet you wherever you're at. We're happy to take you from wherever you are to wherever you want to go. And then I have some mastermind groups, which is, uh, is a whole it's a whole year-long thing, and we do trips together. Yeah, so check it out there. I'll include all of those links in the show notes. Rock, thank you so much for being here and continue your good work and turning people's lives around. It's amazing to see. My pleasure. Just remember, man, rock your money, you get to rock your life. Hold tight. We'll be right back. I asked you to try to find your passion. I hope you loved meeting Rock as much as I loved sitting down and getting the chance to speak with him. Okay, let's cut to Q&A. I got a bunch of questions this week from all over the place, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. You can find me anywhere. Okay, first one. Here we go. Hey, Heather, I hope this message finds you well. Thank you. For the last two years, I have been severely verbally abused and bullied by my boss. This is taking a toll on me and my family, and I need to get a new job. I was wondering if you could help me. Any advice is welcome. I'm in the education field. Okay, first of all, I'm going to go to this. Number one, if you're in the education field, why not start your own business on the side and start working with people remotely as someone who is helping these kids that are in Zoom school? You can charge a lot of money. You can charge a premium. There are opportunities out there. I know there's a need as I am a parent who has a child in Zoom school and I don't know how to help him, right? So there's a business that you can create and start now, today, and you can do it after hours of your existing job if you want, if if you so choose. You can do it at night and on the weekends, you can help people, you can make money and create a path to get out of your situation. The most important thing, and I talk about this a lot, is firing your villain. You have a villain in your life. You need to fire that villain. Don't let me mince words here. Fire that villain. Walk in there and quit that job. It is the most important thing for you, your sanity, your family, and your health. So walk in there tomorrow and quit and you will figure out where you go next, whether it be starting your own business because you're going to work virtually with kids in Zoom schools, whether it be you put out there on social media that you had to leave your job because you were being bullied at work and that you're looking for a great place to work with good people. Update your resume and send it out to everybody that you know. Go take an inventory of all the testimonials you have of, you know, what's great about working with you and start promoting that. Send that out to people. Ask people to connect you to different opportunities, but make it known you are free, eligible, and looking for work and start working immediately on these one-on-one opportunities where you can work with kids remotely. I really believe that the most important thing you do is go in there and quit and get away from someone that's bullying you, verbally abusing you. Fire that villain now and the opportunities will come to you. Okay. Hey, Heather, I've been following you since your James Altucher podcast a few years ago. Yay, James. You're doing great work and I engage with your LinkedIn often. I pivoted this year on business from a product company to consulting. We work with 
tech resellers to help them sell software and services. The challenge is these guys are struggling this year big time. I'm connected to most of my target audience on LinkedIn and write mini blogs and do videos to help them. That being said, how can you help me? So I asked for clarity. I said, what is the actual problem you are looking to solve? I don't understand. Are you trying to drive more clients to your clients? I'm not clear. And he said, yes. He said he needs more clients that will pay him for his work. We work with them to upsell, cross-sell their existing customers on new solutions. So a few things here. One is I really need to look at how you're marketing yourself, right? Because marketing is everything. You could have a crappy product, but if you have amazing marketing, you're going to do a lot of business. It's sad, but it's true, right? You might not have a lot of reoccurring business, but you're going to pull people towards you. So people are purchasing right now on a need basis. If something appears to be something they need, not a want, which is the way people used to buy on a want basis. And, and that's changed because of the pandemic. How can you position your product and services as a need? So this person needs to look at his business as, okay, here's the problem that I solve. Here's why you can't afford not to work with me. And then I would give very specific examples, case studies, and testimonials to your work so people know there's credibility, expertise, and that you know you, you get the job done. I'd offer a 100% money-back guarantee. How can people even question that when you say, I will guarantee results. I do that with all of my coaching programs, all of my consulting. I know I'll get results. So stand behind your words, stand behind your business, really take a hard look at how you're marketing, leverage your credibility, your expertise, your testimonials, and lead first with the problem that you're solving for people. That's the best way to really get their attention. And then showcase as why they need to work with you. Okay. Hey, Heather, I absolutely love your posts. I wish I could hire you as a coach, but I can't afford that right now. I've been a speaker for 15 years. Now I know I deserve to be a highly paid speaker. My question to you is, how did you get past all of the negativity from the jobs you had? I am still having trauma from an experience back in January. I'm even talking to a therapist about it, hoping that as my business venture grows, it will solidify exactly why I'm on the path I'm on. I can no longer work for anyone else. My dream is to be a well-paid speaker and to give a TEDx talk to and even a podcast. When you were growing your brand, did you know that you were going to do all three of those things or did you just focus on one? I had no idea. If I don't make this clear, I had zero idea what I was going to do when I got fired. None. The only thing I did know is that I would take action and figure it out along the way, which is exactly what I did. And, you know, me putting a post up that I got fired led me to the Elvis Duran show. He told me I was writing a book. I took that conviction that he had and I ran with it. I wrote a book and I self-published that book. And then I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said, speak. And I said, great, I've been speaking for years. And I just cold called companies and I set up a speaker circuit for myself. Then someone said, what's your fee? And I Googled speaker fees and I saw how much money people got paid. And then I Googled speaker agencies. And then I started pitching myself to these speaker agencies. And then I took the one that I landed and I leveraged that to get the rest. And then I Googled other ways to sell books and it said, be a guest on podcasts. And I started turning up as a guest on every podcast under the sun until finally I realized I need my own podcast. And then I pitched myself for a podcast. And then I took a breath from my podcasting and I pitched myself for a TEDx talk and then I prepped for my TEDx talk. So I never knew any of these things were in the big 
plan. You know, it, it wasn't like I had some strategy when I got fired. I just kept taking action and one thing kept leading me to the next. And yes, there was many obstacles in the way. I just didn't allow them to stop me. I stayed focused on solutions and clear on my goal that was ahead of me. And you can too. Okay, so I think that's enough questions for today. We are going to shelve the rest till next week. I hope that you got some value today. I hope you're out there creating your confidence. You know that I am. I've got 60 days left to get my book done. I am so in it. I can't wait. If you have any stories, issues that you want me to make sure that I include in the book, please drop me a DM. Send me a note at my website, heathermonahan.com. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, keep creating your confidence. on this journey with me. Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential. Don't believe me? I'm going to go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too. You have helped me so much these last few weeks. I was with a narcissist for two years. She drove me to the point I wanted to take my own life. Listening to you has made a massive difference and now I know what I'm with. Thank you, Rebecca. Now the recovery. Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.